This gospel message is brought to you by the Reformed Witness Hour, a ministry of the Protestant Reformed Churches in America, a Reformed denomination that strives to be faithful to the Word of God and the historic confessions of the Reformed faith, also known as Calvinism. In love for our great God, we proclaim the Christian faith and life that is founded on God's sovereign particular grace. As God's Word is expounded, we pray that these messages are a blessing to you. At the close of an old year, we contemplate in our broadcast today God's faithfulness. The believer does that as he reflects back across the old year that soon will be gone. There have been many events that have taken place once again in this year gone by. There are events that will be recorded in secular history books, the decisions of our government, and the politics that often leave the average citizen frustrated. There are events that take place in the realm of the church, a few for the better, many for the worst. There are events that have transpired in our families, some we rejoice in, and others cause grief and sorrow. There are events that have taken place in our own individual lives. Again, some we rejoice in and others, such as our battle with sin, that we are not so pleased with. This may have been a good year for us, and it may have been a bad year. But one thing is for certain. God is always faithful to His promises to His children. This is the subject we focus our attention on at the close of this year. We are going to study for a few moments today, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 24, a very short verse. It reads, Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. We soon are to say goodbye to 2018, time like an ever-rolling stream. In this year we have again carried on our war against terrorism. Now there are on the horizon... Instances of mass killing, one always seems to lead to the next. We cannot be sure what the new year will hold for us, but what has remained firm and sure in this old year, and will in the new year to come to, is God's promise to his people, I will never leave you or forsake you. Such is what we call our attention to in our broadcast today. Not all the distressing things of life but to God's faithfulness. Our text, as I said, is a short one and does not really direct our attention to much else other than that subject. It's a fitting one, therefore. The Apostle Paul, in this letter to the Thessalonian church, concerns himself with the second coming of Christ. Here, too, is a concern we all have as we stand at the close of an old year and the onset of a new. Paul reminds the saints in Thessalonica that of the day and the hour of Christ's coming no man knows but that it comes as a thief in the night. In these closing verses of this chapter and of this letter, Paul gives a number of short exhortations. All these were meant to admonish the Thessalonian believers in the way they ought to live as they waited for the coming of Christ. Our text comes at the conclusion of these admonitions, and a fitting conclusion to them all, too. There is no need to fret and worry, as we who believe... Wait for Christ's coming. God is faithful, 
who has called us. He will indeed preserve us blameless unto the coming of Christ. There is no need for the church or God's people to fear. And with that assurance, we're going to usher out the old year. To understand the verse we consider today correctly, we must read it within its context, especially in connection with the verse that precedes it. We read in verses 23 and 24, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. At the very end of verse 24, we read that phrase, who also will do it, or more literally, who also will accomplish or complete it. The question is, of course, what is this it that God will do or complete? What is it that Paul refers to when speaking of God's faithfulness? The answer lies in verse 23, where Paul prays that God will preserve the Thessalonian believers blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The it at the close of our text refers to Christ's work of sanctification and preservation. Now that's significant. In our text, Paul expresses the certainty of what he prays for in verse 23. There he prays that God will preserve these saints. In our text, Paul in effect says, I do not fear that God will indeed preserve you, because God is faithful who has called you, and God will do it. He will preserve you. Our text is a statement of fact, a certain undeniable fact. God, who has sanctified his people in Christ, will preserve them in that life of sanctification unto the very coming of Jesus Christ. That expression of certainty is what you and I as believers need to hear at the end of this year. I know most people believe this wicked world is going to continue to exist for a long, long time yet. But this letter of Paul teaches us clearly that the end of time comes swiftly, and that we live in the last days. The swift passing of this year should remind us of that. Christ is coming, and that means we live in perilous days. We live in days when Satan and this wicked world have intensified their battle against the church. It seems more and more difficult to be able to withstand the wiles of the devil. As the coming of Christ approaches, the temptations to stray from him and his kingdom only increase. The pressures upon the church become stronger. Christ himself asks the question, Will there be faith left in the earth? So many have departed and continue to depart from the truth of God's word and to walk in the ways of the wicked. Is it even possible that God will preserve his elect people? I mean, there will be so many temptations in this world that Christ explains if it were possible, even the elect would be deceived. And this is why Paul's prayer for the church of Christ is that God will preserve the bodies, souls, and spirits of God's saints blameless. You see, God has sanctified his people wholly. He has, through the work of Christ on the cross, cleansed us of our sin and delivered us from corruption. 
This benefit he earned for us through his all-powerful work on the cross, and this benefit he has applied to each of us, his people, through the work of the Spirit in our hearts. The Spirit of Christ was sent forth to dwell within us, and to work in us the holiness that Christ has earned on the cross. The Spirit cleanses us in that blood of Christ, so that in our thoughts, affections, and intentions, we are delivered from corruption and are now pure. We are those who, through the work of Christ within us, have become dedicated and consecrated unto the service of God in this world. Because of that work of Christ, we have become blameless before God. We are those who seek God's will and desire that God's kingdom come, and viewed in the blood of Christ, we are without sin in God's sight. Paul reassures us in our text today that God who has sanctified us will not now give us over into sin. God will not and has not in this year gone by allowed his people to fall away from him. He has preserved them. After sanctifying his people, he does not turn them loose, so to speak, so that now they are on their own. He does not perform a work of salvation and then say to us, Okay, the rest is up to you. You have to do the rest. No, no. Salvation is of the Lord, all of it, from beginning to the end. And that work of salvation does not cease until every saint of God is glorified. Our assurance, fellow saints, as we stand at the close of another year is, God completes that work of sanctification. He cleanses us in the blood of Christ, and He preserves us in that sanctification. Even, mind you, causes us to grow in sanctification unto the very coming of Jesus Christ. Notice the word of certainty in this last phrase of our text. God will do it. I like how short and concise that phrase is. As we mentioned, of course, actually this literally means who also will complete it. But nothing is lost and everything is gained in the translation that we have here in our King James Version, who also will do it. I like that. I like that. Plain and simple is the fact that Paul relates to us. God has saved you. He has sanctified you. And God will preserve you in that salvation. Never fear. God will do it. We know He will because God has done it in our lives. Think of the many times, even in this past year, we have strayed into sin. Think of the many times when, if we were left on our own, we would have forsaken all and left the cause of Jesus Christ. Think of the times of despair when we asked ourselves, is all of this worth it? Think of the times when we felt like running away and simply following after our own lusts and sin. Think of the times when the temptations were so great that we would like to have walked in sin and and perhaps did stumble in that way. Yet here we are, at the end of this year, and though we have stumbled and faltered along that way, God has done it. 
He has preserved us, has he not? Not because we have been so faithful to him. Not because we in some way have been able to make it on our own, in our own strength. God has done it. Yeah, we give credit where credit is due. God is faithful to complete that work that he has begun in us. He who began a good work in you has been faithful to complete that work. In you, and me too. And as believers, we rejoice in that. As we rejoice, we do so in this fact too. God will do it. God will preserve us in His grace. He has. We experience that in our lives. But we are confident at the end of this year that God will in the days to come, in the new year, preserve us blameless unto the coming of Jesus Christ too. We do not fear. We do not waver. God has preserved us, and God will preserve us. He will be our guide, the psalmist says, even unto death. That is an established fact in the hearts of believers as we stand on the brink of a new year and face such an uncertain future. We say that even in the face of the difficulties we have experienced in life and probably will experience in our lives in the new year to come too, We say that in the face of all of our struggles, in the face of all the temptations that confront us, in the face face of our own sinfulness, he who has begun a good work in us will be faithful to complete it. We know he will. How can we be so certain at the close of this year? Paul gives us two reasons in our text. Number one, God has called us. And then number two, God is faithful. Both of these we should consider yet. First of all, God will indeed complete the work he has begun in us because it is, after all, God who has called us. We have noticed already in a couple of our most recent broadcasts that there are many passages of the Bible that speak of the calling. This calling of God must be distinguished as the external call of the gospel and the internal call of the Spirit. The external call, as we well know, goes forth to everyone where God in his providence guides it. The preaching of the gospel goes out in all the earth to many. The church is commanded by Christ to preach the gospel in all the world, sincerely and without discrimination. In this sense of that word calling, there are many who are called. The gospel is proclaimed to many with its command to repent and believe, together with a promise that those who believe will not be turned away. But though many of people are called in this external way, only few receive the internal call of the Spirit in their hearts. Many are called, but few are chosen. Those who are called internally by the work of the Spirit in their hearts are irresistibly drawn to Jesus Christ. The Spirit works in them a knowledge of their sin and their guilt, a knowledge that comes through that external call in the preaching. They become acutely aware that they deserve the punishment of hell. They then, in the weariness and burden of their sin, hear the call to come to Jesus and to find rest unto their souls. And that Holy Spirit powerfully works in their hearts a sorrow over sin. 
they repent. And then the Holy Spirit likewise works in them faith. He irresistibly, through the preaching, draws them to the cross of Christ where they find their salvation. And that's the calling now of which Paul speaks in the few words of the verse we consider today. The calling that God uses effectually to save his people. But we must also understand that God accomplishes, or what God accomplishes in this calling. God's saints are called out of something, and on the other hand are called into something as well. We have been called out of the darkness of sin and unbelief and into the light of Christ's kingdom. We have been called out of darkness where we were alienated from God and his Son and into the fellowship of God and Christ. We have been called out of those who have been cast away or who are cast away in God's wrath and we have been called into the very family of God himself. Beautiful. Through the calling, we are become the sons and the daughters of the living God. God has adopted us to be his very own children in the blood of Christ. He loves us, and he establishes us in his household and in his very own family. Now Paul's point is here. Will God, once he has adopted us to be his very own children, cast us away? Will God, who has called us out of this present world, and through the gracious and powerful work of salvation, made us into his very own children, will, will, will that God now turn us away from him? Paul teaches us that God will always preserve his people, blameless, because we are his children, whom he will never forsake. That promise, I will never leave or forsake you, is a promise that we can read of in many different instances, in the Old, especially in the Old, but in the New Testament as well. God doesn't forsake that which he saves. If he were to forsake us, it would militate against the very work of salvation itself. God will indeed complete the work of salvation in us because we are his children. We've been chosen from eternity in God's counsel. And for that reason, called out of this world of sin and unbelief. God has, for the sake of Christ, made us into his very own children. And once a child of God... Always a child of God. God says to us, You need never fear, little children of mine. I will never leave or forsake you. You are the called according to my purpose. You are mine, and I will not allow anyone to pluck you out of my hand. I will be your guide, even unto death. Now worry. I have begun a good work in you, and I will indeed complete it. <laughs> How God's saints rejoice in that grace God has shown us in our lives. All of this 
Everything we have been talking about culminates in one word, dear listeners. Faithful. This is the first word of the verse that we consider today. And this is true because it receives all the emphasis. Paul does not write, he is faithful who is calling us. Paul writes the term faithful first. And that is because the whole word of God before us today is wrapped up in that one word. When one is faithful, he keeps his promises. He does not waver one way or the next. He is a man of his word. One who is faithful does not change his mind, but is constant and sure. God is faithful in the highest sense of the word. And that because God does not change. He is immutable. God has made us his people a promise. It is the promise of his covenant. In his friendship and fellowship with his people in Christ, God promises them that they will be heirs of his eternal kingdom in heaven. He has promised us that. He told Abraham, your seed will inherit the land of Canaan. And God has never turned from fulfilling that promise to Abraham. Even today, God is fulfilling that promise to us. He says to believers today, I will give you the heavenly land of Canaan. Even as God continues to call us into the kingdom of his dear son, God continues to fulfill exactly what he has promised. This is why he has added to this promise another promise. I will never leave or forsake you. That promise to his people and his church is repeated constantly. I am your God. I will never leave you. God promises us that because if he were to leave us even but for a moment, we would indeed fall and never return. But God upholds us by his spirit and grace. In those hours of sorest temptation and trial, he directs us. In the adversities of life, he's there upholding us, even even in our failures to remain faithful to him, he is still there, forgiving us and leading us back to him. Surely you and I can sing at the close of the year 2018. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. Let's pray. O God, our Father, great is thy faithfulness to us, undeserving that we are. How often we have failed in this past year, and yet here we stand at the close of this year, on the brink of a new year, and we confess thy great and thy glorious name and thy powerful work in us, in preserving us as thy dear children. Continue to bless us in this way, Father, and give unto us that assurance, too, in our hearts that we might live in peace and in joy as thy children. Forgive us when we stumble in our weakness. We are thankful, again, that thou art our God who has saved us in the blood of Christ. We pray these things for Christ's sake. Amen. The gospel message you have just heard was sponsored by the Protestant Reformed Churches through its radio program, The Reformed Witness Hour.
We hope that you have been edified and encouraged by this message. If you would like more information about the Reformed faith or the Protestant Reformed churches, feel free to visit our website at reformedwitnesshour.org or email us at mail at reformedwitnesshour.org.